1: A tech founder Mike Cannon-Brooks has been in the news a lot recently on the back of his attempt to buy Australia's largest energy retailer, AGL, and transform it into a green, lean power generator and retailing machine. In this shortcut, we take a look at his early life, his career in business, and why he's so keen on getting his hands on AGL. Squish Shortcuts is your backstory to the big news stories. I'm Eliza Harvey. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, let's start with some biographical details about Michael Cannon-Brooks. He was born in 1979, which makes him 42. He was born in the US and moved to Sydney as a child.
2: His dad is Mike Gannonbrook Senior. Uh, He's English and he was an international banking executive who was one of a big group of foreigners who joined the Australian finance industry in the early 1980s when international banks were invited to apply for licences here in Australia. Uh, Mike Junior was the only child growing up at home. His two older sisters were at boarding school in England. Cannon Brooks went to Cranbrook School, which is one of the most
1: prestigious private schools in the country.
2: Yeah, it sure is. And other high profile alumni include Kerry Packer, uh, his son James and former nine boss David Gingell. So it's a wealthy school and reports say that Cannon Brooks competed with another boy for ducks of his class.
1: Yeah, and the Cannon Brooks kids were used to crossing the globe during school holidays, and Mike bought his first computer using Qantas frequent flyer points, which is pretty cool. And when his parents moved to Singapore for work,
2: Mike stayed in Sydney and went on to attend the Uni of New South Wales. He did a degree in information systems and that's where he met his future business partner, Scott Farquhar, but they came from very different worlds. Farquhar was from a working class family in Western Sydney, uh, but in 1998, Cannon Brooks and Farquhar landed in the same scholarship course in business information technology at the Uni of New South Wales funny how things work out sometimes because Farquhar has said
1: they didn't get along instantly because those Cranbrook boys have a bit of a swagger about them, but they shared a love of computers and we'll get into how they founded the company that's made them billionaires. But to round out Cannon Brooks' background, he married fashion designer Annie Todd and they have four kids. He says she approached him in the Qantas lounge, confusing him with someone she knew. They quickly got chatting and the rest is history.
2: Yeah, Qantas does seem to feature a bit in his life. <laughs> uh, they have properties across the Southern Highlands, across Sydney and across the northern beaches of Sydney. Uh, so they live around the New South Wales capital. Uh, and to round him out, a lot is made of Mike cannon Brooks's look. He's got long hair. He's got a beard. He normally rocks a T-shirt and blue jeans. Uh, one of the things he and Farquhar agreed on when they set up the company was that they would never wear a suit and they've certainly lived up to that.
1: And Claire, don't forget the cap, because you've probably seen him in a white hat with a bunny on it, and that's because he's a co-owner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs
2: Rugby League Club. Yeah, he bought a 25% stake in the club in November last year. Uh, That's alongside Russell Crowe and James Packer. He also became the first Aussie to own a stake in an NBA team in the US when he invested in the Utah Jazz in 2019. So it's fair to say then that he's got his fingers in
1: a lot of different pies, but business remains his key priority. Let's get into his career next. Atlassian is the tech company that's propelled Mike Cannon-Brooks to fortune and fame. Cannon-Brooks set it up at uni and emailed his mates to get on board. And Scott Farquhar emailed back.
2: Yeah, and reports say that the people who work at Atlassian speak of the leadership of Mike and Scott, uh, where the two names just slide into one another and they're in lockstep with each other. The co-founder model is pretty common in the United States, particularly in tech companies, uh, and the Aussie pair reckon that they've never really had a serious falling out. But if they ever do have a difference of opinion, it's settled through a game of rock, paper, scissors, uh, and Cannon Brooks says that he usually wins. No doubt that's the reason he
1: wants to continue that dispute resolution model, Claire. Uh, it's a pretty neat story, but let's get into exactly what Atlassian is and what it does. Right from the start, Canon Brooks must have had a big vision for it because it takes its name from the bronze Atlas statue in front of the Rockefeller Center in Manhattan. Yeah,
2: his father tells a story that when Cannon Brooks was in his early 20s, the pair were walking in New York and he says they saw the statue and Mike Jr. said the software that we're going to make is going to hold up the world. Uh, Put simply, what Atlassian creates is software to help businesses and teams work better. It's primarily used by software developers and IT departments and their products are known for being cost effective. Its flagship product is something called JIRA, It's a project management and bug tracking tool, and it's used by thousands of companies and organisations, including NASA and Tesla. Uh, Tech developers rave about it. And the software model has actually been copied by others, most notably
1: the office chat provider Slack, which we actually use in the Squiz offices.
2: Yeah. And if you haven't used it before, it's like an online messaging service and you can upload files to it if you need to. Uh, It means that you're not in your emails all the time. Uh, And in 2018, Atlassian sold its own chat platform to Slack and took a small investment in the company developers and IT help
1: desks aren't the only people who gush about Atlassian shareholders do as well and that's because the company has become quite valuable Claire
2: Yeah it has the company's valued at 48 US billion dollars it's listed on the Nasdaq which is a American stock exchange that's focused on tech stocks and Mike cannon personal wealth is said to be around 18 billion dollars
1: yeah, and he said that if money helps motivate people to start a company, well, great, but accumulating wealth isn't his thing as such. Claire, in recent years, Canon Brooks has branched out into different projects and even joined forces with Elon Musk.
2: Yeah, he's significantly interested in renewable energy. And in 2017, he was scrolling Twitter and saw someone from Musk's Tesla company, so the electric cars and batteries company, uh, saying that South Australia's rolling power outages could be solved if they use their large industrial batteries.
1: Yeah, batteries are the next frontier in renewable energy because they charge up when the wind is blowing and the sun is shining, but they can be deployed to fill the gaps in energy supply. Long story short, Claire, Tesla promised to install the battery within 100 days of a contract being signed. Canon Brooks bet Elon Musk that he couldn't do it in that time. Musk came back and said, if we don't make it, we'll give you the batteries for free.
2: And central to all of that was Cannon Brooks lobbying the then South Australian Premier Jay Weatherill, who got on board. And at the time, that South Australian battery, when it was installed, was three times bigger than any in the world. It was also
1: a high profile way of announcing his interest in the renewable energy space. On that topic, Cannon Brooks has been weighing into the political debate, Claire.
2: Yeah, he was asked a while back if he was interested in joining a political party and it was an emphatic no. He's said to know that he needs to have a good relationship with Canberra in order to get things done, but he's not interested in being part of that process himself. But he and Annie have put their money where Mike's mouth is (laughs) uh, by pledging $350 million of the family's money towards fighting climate change. So he's clearly not a man
1: afraid to take risks, which brings us to some significant business interests in this space. Let's get into that next.
0: Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear and by that they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP, and if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes.
1: Before we get into his interest in AGL, let's take a quick look at the other renewable energy projects that he's involved in. And I like this quote from an article in The Australian about him. It says, From maggots to mushrooms, solar power to batteries and driverless vehicles, he has for several years been putting his own money into various green investments, both big
2: and small. So he does this through his family investment office called Grok Ventures. That includes a $78 million stake in green energy lender Bright uh, to more than $100 million in a driverless vehicle company called Zox. Uh, Another big renewable project that he's involved in is Sun Cable, which is a $30 billion project that aims to supply power to the top end of Australia and to Asia. It's so fascinating and massive.
1: Essentially, the plan is to build a giant solar farm in northern Australia. It will be 12,000 hectares of panels and storage, which is a bit smaller than the city of Brisbane, just to give some context there. And the idea is a cable will be laid to get the electricity from the farm to Darwin, then on to Indonesia and Singapore.
2: Yeah, it's really big thinking kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, And it has another famous Aussie rich lister, Andrew Twiggy Forrest, on board too. All up, he and his
1: family made a $1.5 billion investment in innovations to counter climate change. And Claire, a move that blasted him to attention recently was his bid for
2: AGL. He partnered with Canadian asset manager Brookfield to make an eight Billion dollar takeover bid that happened initially in February. AGL said that that bid undervalued the company and it wasn't in the best interests of shareholders. Cannon Brooks reckons that there's an opportunity to remove its coal fired power plants from its lineup by 2030, which is a long time before the expected exit date, which is 2045. Uh, he says that it would be the biggest single decarbonisation project in the world and a great economic opportunity for the country.
1: Yeah, and vision and a lot more money, Claire, about $20 billion to be exact to make that transition. Let's go back to politics for a moment because AGL is the country's biggest electricity generator and his plan has caused a
2: stir. Yeah, it sure did. So Prime Minister Scott Morrison said if coal was phased out early, it would force electricity prices up. Canon Brooks disagrees with that. He says that renewable sources are generating cheaper power and more of it would ultimately drive prices down and not up. There's currently an issue about reliable and dispatchable power, which is what coal-fired plants produce. But people who are excited about renewables say that technology is getting better all the time, including battery storage and dispatch.
1: That pitch in February fell over and then Cannon Brooks came back for another go, buying 11.28% of the company through Grok Ventures, which we mentioned before, making him the biggest shareholder. And his first order of business is to stop the company from splitting into two divisions.
2: Yeah, AGL has proposed dividing the company into two parts. Uh, there would be a new entity called Accel Energy, uh, which would house the coal power generating assets. And then AGL Australia will do the retailing of the power that they produce. Uh, Canon Brooks wants the company to be kept together because he says that the company's success will rely on moving away from coal as quickly as possible. And that can happen if they're connected Uh, because the coal assets will become a drag on their profit and they'll be more motivated to do something about it.
1: And he reckons market forces will make AGL step up to faster action to address climate change. AGL's boss and board disagrees, Claire.
2: Yeah, its CEO, Graham Hunt, has accused Cannon Brooks of trying to drive down the share price so he can get control of the company on the cheap. Ultimately, shareholders will decide. The vote on splitting the business is scheduled for the 15th of June, uh, and it needs their approval, uh, at least 75% of shareholders for it to go through.
1: It's one to keep an ear out for as that date in June gets closer. And that's your shortcut to Mike Cannon-Brooks. Now on to recommendations. Claire, I've linked to a TED Talk on imposter syndrome from 2019 that Mike Cannon-Brooks delivered. It's really interesting. He looks really comfortable in front of the big crowd
2: not so much of an imposter after all. Not in that moment, no. Atlassian have been at the forefront of the discussion about what comes uh, out of work and the pandemic. And it has a team anywhere policy and says that no one needs to come back to the office ever again. Uh, And they've hired 2000 staff since bringing it into place and nearly half live more than two hours away from any Atlassian office. Uh, It's a really interesting part of what's happened in the last couple of years and how companies are responding.
1: Yeah, sure is. And a test case in how that ongoing work from home uh, can continue as the pandemic fades into the background, fingers crossed. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you like what you've heard, please tell people about our shortcuts. It helps us to grow. And if you want us to look at a particular topic, get in touch at hello at squiz.com.au. Until next time.
0: Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us, tell your family, tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.